Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to The Greatest Generation, a Star Trek podcast by two guys who are a bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm Adam Pranica. We are uh, trudging through season two. Ben, where are you today? I'm uh, I'm still in LA. I've been, uh, this is uh, uh, four episodes in a row that I've been in Los Angeles, but that's just because we're recording at quite a, quite a rapid clip. Really? I'm uh, I'm in a hotel on Wilshire Boulevard. Um, I just hey. had I just had pancakes on the roof and came is, down to is that a euphemism? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a that's like a Riker sex move. Yeah. <laughs> Not many aliens have heard of pancakes on the roof. Yeah, but they'll never forget it. Yeah, it's like a similar to a bulldog in the bathtub kind of a kind of a thing. Uh, are you in LA doing personal business? Business business or podcast business? Uh, I'm here mostly on business business, but uh, I think uh, in a bit I'm going to uh, lunch that potentially has some uh, some podcast business related oh, to it. Oh, interesting. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. Huh, well, maybe we'll follow up to that sometime. Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> well, that sounds outrageous. See, that's a championship pivot into our episode there. Yeah. Season two, episode four. That is a mission log level transition. Oh, how dare you? Uh, We can do better than that then. (laughs) We've we've lost half of our listeners to a coma. The Enterprise is passing through. I didn't the... give you the the number and the title of the episode. Oh, just, lay just it on slow me. Slow your roll, okay? Okay, I apologize. All right, what we've got on the uh, pancake today is the uh, season two, episode four, outrageous Okana. And the Enterprise is passing through the Coalition of Medina, I believe. The, um, the funky Coalition Medina. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, the. <laughs> I'm sorry you did that to yourself. <laughs> uh, speaking speaking of a show of, of an episode that's all about learning to do jokes. Is Medina that show with the uh, the really tall black comedian who dresses up in drag? Like, uh, <laughs> what are those called? I don't know, Adam. I feel like you're digging yourself a grave that I I don't know where it is or how to lower a ladder to you. We're editing all of this out. <laughs> we are just there will be no open to this episode. Yeah, I'll just come right in in the middle. Um, the uh, so the, the the Enterprise is in this in some fucking sector. They're they're detecting a a small cargo ship that is in some trouble, and they get on FaceTime, and the captain is just about as charming as charming gets. Yeah, you as a casting director, you go for someone who's a little like Johnny Depp, and you get like the guy in Times Square. Uh, who is Johnny Depp from Pirates of the Caribbean? Like, yeah, this guy's actually like a people. great midpoint between Jonathan Frakes and Johnny Depp. Uh, you know what is interesting about that comment? I don't know if you did this intentionally, but the actor who plays O'Connor uh, was up for the role of Riker. Yeah, I just missed it. Yeah, and I think he's had like a little bit of a TV acting career. Like he's been a he's been a recurring character on some stuff. 
Do you know that the reason he didn't get the role was because he was called too soft? Oh, interesting. Yeah. When you're going for Riker, you're going hard. Rock hard. All the way. Yeah, diamond hard. <laughs> like, not pancake soft. That's yeah. just a move. That's just no. a sex move. Yeah. For the roof. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, everybody is fully is fully under O'Connor's spell. No uh, joke is getting out of this show alive. No, think, yeah. Think, we have to cut all the humor from this humor episode. <laughs> we are it's, murdering the humor here. It's it's really like uh I, I think I think you know, like dissecting a frog. Uh this 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 episode is all about why jokes work and I think it has fucked us up, Adam. <laughs> uh okay. All right. Center. All right, we're we're back to center. We're good. We can do okay. this. So Okana has some part of his ship that's broken, and Wesley's like, uh, can we beam him on? We can fix that. We can fix it. And so they agree to beam him on and fix this this part. The way that they get there, like, you, you're talking about Wesley's involvement in this plan, and I think it's critical that we discuss that uh, Riker asks Wesley to plot an intercept course, and the course that Wesley plots allows the freighter, allows Akana's freighter to approach from the rear. <laughs> Did you notice this? <laughs> I did notice that, but I didn't really make the connection for how Wesley views the world. So to me, it felt to me like Wesley was like a, like a hostage who gets brought into a gas station and he's like trying to signal to the attendant that he's been kidnapped. Like right. in what world, in what universe is a intercept course allowing something to approach you from behind? Hey man, I don't know how orbital mechanics work, but uh, so to me that felt like Wesley. Like, come on, guys! Like, isn't this weird? Don't don't you see how weird this is? I'm trying to tell you what's happening to me. <laughs> trying, to, trying to tell. I, I'm trying to. Uh, I'm trying to write a note in the in the fog on the on the back yeah. window, and you are not paying attention. I'm in the trunk unplugging the brake lights, so someone will see that <laughs> something's wrong with this car. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I think the last thing that happens before Okana is beamed up is that they uh, they hear the the transporter chief's voice on the radio, and he goes, "Is that a lady?" And Riker lights up like a Christmas tree. He is like, "I have found a kindred spirit. Finally, I've been traveling the galaxy for years now." And I finally found somebody that I totally understand and that will totally understand me. But not be a sexual threat to him in any way. No. Like, Riker gets first dibs. Okana is batting is batting a little bit below Riker's uh, level. They're in w- different weight divisions. I will, I will change mid- metaphors midstream. But they're, uh, you know, they, they fight in the same league. Okana's a little softer. Yeah, a little Did bit softer. But his, his first conquest is Terry Hatcher. Not a bad first conquest. Not at all. Not a bad conquest, period. Uh, um, she is looking awesome. Yeah. Uh, this is like a 19-year-old Terry Hatcher running the transporter room. They've, she uh, evidently did not agree because she was so ashamed of her performance in this episode that she asked not to be credited. Really? Yeah. Wow. Well, I'm glad that they gave O'Brien the day off because it was nice to... Uh, she's very easy on the eyes in this episode. How much stranger would this scene have been if it were Chief O'Brien that uh, Okada falls for? Uh, 
I feel like O'Brien is a pretty old-fashioned dude and would not have taken kindly to that. God, give me all that haggis. Yeah. <laughs> That's what Irish people eat, right? Sure. Uh, uh, <laughs> so they're they're flying around. Um, no one's going to be listening by the end of this. No, no. They're flying around, uh, slowly fixing the piece of junk that Okana brought on board while Okana avails himself of all of the uh, non-commissioned female officers on the ship. Um, I think at one point they say that he's, he's fucked at least three of the Enterprise's crew by the time uh, by the time anything else happens in this yeah, episode. Yeah, they pretty openly say that. Yeah. I mean, I don't, say th- I don't think they use the F word, but they might as well. So the deal is he's on board with his busted part. And the parts in engineering, and he's... I'll tell you one part he has that's not busted. Oh, this dick? <laughs> that did it. <laughs> so he's in engineering, and uh, and Jordy is working on the part, and they're, uh, they're shooting the shit. And one really terrifying part about this scene from a production standpoint, did you notice that they chose to dolly off of Wesley's butt? <laughs> I did see that. What the fuck was that about? <laughs> The show is getting a lot more explicit as uh, as time goes on. Yeah, they cut from a, I don't know, they cut from a bridge scene to engineering, and they dolly through his ass. That that camera was on an intercept course. Yeah, God, there, another pretty explicit cry for help. Okana has been joking around with everybody, and Data is really curious about this. So he goes to the uh, the only professional comedian on board, Whoopi Goldberg, and. Uh, tries to uh talk it out with her and uh it's 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 a real weird scene because he's real like glum about the fact that he doesn't understand humor and she really kind of matches his affect so it's it's sort of like they're talking about him having cancer but they're talking about him not knowing how jokes go it's just you and i here we're talking we're having an intimate conversation why because you're a droid and i'm annoyed but why because that's what I am. Have I said something to offend you? But it's a weird scene. She uh, she does some material on him that is very C minus, like not, like almost not even a joke. She tries on him and he doesn't laugh. And she goes like, "No, no, that was funny, Data. You should have laughed at that." Which like you can't do as a comedian. Yeah, that's. Uh, I don't know if that's uh, if that's a whoopee thing or a Guinan thing. Like, I don't think we would expect anybody to laugh at this episode, but we have done episodes in the past that I personally think are funny, but right. I can't, like, dictate that to anybody else. No, and in fact, I think that qualifies as anti-funny. That would right. that would uh, compel me not to find something uh, to laugh about at all. Right. Don't and tell I think me what th- to do. Don't tell yeah. me how to live my life. Right. And I think, unfortunately, we're doing a lot of work to undo any humor that we've done in past episodes on this show. So that's uh, troubling. Yeah, well. Boy, do I love a microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm, uh, I'm running low, so I'm going to head over to microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order. Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. 
And uh, I just love it because you can really predict what is going to happen and to what degree it is going to happen because these are very low dose cannabis gummies that uh, give you an entry level dose that help you feel just the right amount of good. And they've been super loyal as sponsors to Greatest Trek and Greatest Gen. So I hope you will give them a try. Get 30% off your first order plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVES for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. You might have heard us talk about Squarespace before and you're thinking, what do I need a website for? I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias. But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name and not a giant social media company's name with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is, you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24x7 customer support. Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product with a website that's all you with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. Think it. Dream it. Make it with Squarespace. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. So Guinan's like, uh, I don't know whose idea it is, but they're like, let's go to the holodeck and practice some comedy. Yeah, I think Data goes by himself at first and... uh there's like a classic 1980s mulleted comedian as portrayed by Joe Piscopo and a you know, he's like in a tuxedo in a in like a cheesy nightclub. Mr. Comic, I wish to know what is funny. It's funny, I don't know. It's a matter of opinion, I guess. Uh, Tip O'Neill in a dress. 
Some people say words that end with a K are funny. Uh, a briefcase that looks like a fish. Personally, I find that hysterical. Data essentially puts him on fast mode to uh, to discuss material, and um, and uh, it's unclear. You know, like he's he's doing exactly what Polaski admonished him to not to do uh, in the last episode, which is learn everything by rote. He's just he's just having. Joe Piscopo do his do his his material at like 10x speed and uh and Data's absorbing it at his with his super android brain. You think but, Whoopi Goldberg is a little bit insulted that they cast for this part at all? Like I f- I feel like Whoopi Goldberg is is in the production meeting and they're like, "Okay, well we got to find a real stand-up to to be in this scene." And Whoopi's yeah. like, <clears throat> <laughs> well, and it's especially strange because this is uh when Whoopi was really at the height of her powers like yeah, yeah. she was so famous that she said i want to be on that star trek show because i loved nichelle nichols when i grew up when i was growing up and they had to say yes like there wasn't any like i mean they were also i'm sure le- leaping at the opportunity to have one of the most famous people in the country become a recurring character on their show but uh, <laughs> yeah, she was going from like the set of Sister Act three to yeah. to the next generation and back and forth. Like if she had been lukewarm on Star Trek growing up, and they had asked her, they would not have had a hope in hell that she would have said yes to this. No, no, yeah, and it's true. She's like the biggest star on the entire show. Absolutely. So Data is is sort of absorbing stand up comedy in fast forward. And. Uh, you know, he he comes out of the holodeck and does like uh, arm waving comedy routine on on uh, on Guinan, and uh, she just she she does not give him any benefit of the doubt. <laughs> she just she just side eyes him the entire time. Yeah, it's really anti funny. He's got yeah. a giant like foot long cigar. Yeah, it's real cheesy. So as the, as this is transpiring, the uh, they really like make this the A storyline when. When uh, it it really shouldn't be, <laughs> like like they cut away from Okada for like most of the middle of this episode. He's like not really nothing is really happening with that storyline because we have to spend so much time in the holodeck with Joe Piscopo. Yeah, and I don't know about you, but as I was watching, I was like, please cut back to Okada. Like I will, I would do anything to just watch him flirt with random Enterprise crew members for like Seriously. fifteen minutes instead of this. And then like cut, and then show like Worf reacting to it, you know? Right. Because right. <laughs> when Worf goes the you know goes into the computer and sees that Okana has been in a bunch of people's uh, quarters, he is fucking pissed. Why? I feel like Riker has probably been like, listen, you and me got a good thing going. You keep you keep uh, you, listen you keep to me, watch Okana. over these ladies. <laughs> Stay away from deck thirteen. All right. <laughs> I have had all of them. I will continue to have all of them. Yeah. Keep your dick off deck 13. That that puss is not yours to crush. <laughs> That's not my wording. That's Riker's wording. Right. And and with that we've lost another entire block of listeners. This is becoming a speech. You're the captain, sir. You're entitled. Mm. I'm entitled to ramble on about something everyone knows. Outside the Enterprise, a bunch of crappy little ships with lasers on them are showing up and it's uh it is People from the two planets that are that kind of control this sector. It's a uh, a dude and his pregnant daughter 
on one ship and a dude and his sniveling bitch of a son on the other ship. And they've got a real like uh, Capulet Montague type family feud going. And they both want Okana's head because the guy with the pregnant daughter says that Okana knocked her up and then split and didn't, you know, do the honorable thing and marry her. And the guy with the sniveling son says that the son was like roped into a scheme where Okana was hijacking the family jewels and uh, and making off with them. Okana is uh, is called up to the bridge, and Captain Picard does like angry school headmaster move with him. Mr. O'Connor, you were welcomed aboard without any undue investigation. In turn, it was assumed that you did not come under false pretenses. It now seems that you may have done. And Okana's like, dude, no, 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 no. Like, I'm cool. I'm cool, man. Look at this ponytail. <laughs> Look at this rockin' tail. <laughs> Look at my scraggly beard. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of a half big dog out of Picard, which is nice because he hasn't gotten to big dog someone in quite a while. Yeah, I mean, this is the kind of big dogging I would get from my school headmaster when I would claim to be ill to get out of taking an exam when I was in, like, seventh grade. You know, or I'd be like, oh, it seems like a really uh, unfortunate timing, Ben. <laughs> kind of kind of a deal. Or should I say Wesley? <laughs> I don't think he ever knew me as Wesley, but uh, yeah. he m- might as well have. Very few people did. Yeah, that was a that was a, a a certain a certain isolated group in my life. You definitely get visually the whole uh, Montague Capulet thing because uh, the people on one ship wear it's very brightly colored. They're wearing flowing costumes. And the other ship is basically the S&M ship. They're all leathered up. It's all dark and red. Now, these are clearly people from two different worlds, and we're, we're meant to understand that pretty explicitly. Yeah. So not really knowing like who to believe in all this, and because both factions uh, would like their claim on Okana's head to supersede the other one, Picard is put in this awkward situation. And to his credit, Okana's like, listen, like you don't have to repair my ship, like just... I'll get out of here. You don't have to worry yourself. It's not your problem. And Picard's like, yeah, you're kind of right. It isn't my problem, (laughs) but you're going to, you're fucked if, if you leave, because while neither of these ships is any threat to the enterprise, uh, your ship is a piece of shit and they can both outrun you and outgun you. Yeah. The enterprise could destroy both of these ships just by jettisoning its garbage (laughs) at them. And like the rate of speed that the garbage would close in on either one of these ships, uh, would destroy them easily. There's like a group chat situation going on on the screen for a while. And it's a lot of like, put it on mute because I can't stand these idiots. And, and yet Picard offers to moderate the dispute and beams everybody over to a conference room and, and they try and hash it out. And it's so much easier to set up a conference call in the future. Yeah. Real yeah nice. you, don't have, you don't have to give the conference bridge and the pin code out. It's very, yeah. it's very smoothed out. This, uh, this dispute winds up being kind of a canard. The, uh, the reason O'Connor... A charade? A sh- indeed. Uh, <laughs> the reason O'Connor has this jewel is because he was taking it from sniveling dude to pregnant lady because, in fact, sniveling dude was behind the lady getting pregnant oh and, boy was he and uh they you know th- this is uh this is a a conflict that they don't you know their their family conflict is not something they share with their fathers so 
they got they got cheeky with it and she got pregnant and um eventually the sniveling dude is talked into uh proposing marriage to her and okana it turns out was just being like a cool wingman and go between <laughs> for uh for this whole situation yeah he's totally innocent except for the handful of enterprise crewmen crew women that he banged yeah Nine months after this episode is going to be an interesting day on the Enterprise. Wow, suddenly three infants uh, running around. And they all have ponytails. <laughs> That's how biology works. Just kept talking in one long, incredibly unbroken sentence. Moving from topic to topic so that no one had the chance to interrupt. It was really quite hypnotic. Let's go back to the A storyline, which is Data and Guinan in the comedy club trying to work out some material and it just doesn't work and eventually Guinan uh talks data out of making this a make or break part of his quest to, to become more human because not everybody's funny and maybe data doesn't have to be we are living testaments to that with this episode adam <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i mean the way that they get to this conclusion is Data's up on stage and he's telling he's he's doing his version of a comedy set and everyone's laughing. Everyone right. there's a there's a less Moonves CBS sitcom amount of laughter. Yeah. That he immediately reads as fake, just like everyone else who watches a CBS comedy knows. Yeah. And uh, you know, Jordy wasn't there to program the computer to make an audience that even Data couldn't make laugh. Yeah. So the laughs are cheap. And he finds less and less satisfaction with his set as he goes through it until he finally just kills the program. Right. He starts saying like he starts saying phrases that don't have punchlines and they keep laughing. So it's it's a it's a little bit of a heartbreaker because you can see how crestfallen he is. He thought he was he thought he'd figured it out and he really hadn't. Right. Right. So he kills the program. He's all sad. Yeah. He walks off stage alone. Kind of a bummer ending. But uh, he goes back to the bridge and uh, and uh, does some material that actually works. People actually laugh, and he, it's like, but it's unfortunate because he does, he wasn't trying to make a joke. It's like, um, you know, all my best material is totally unintentional, and then I go, I like retroactively go, like, yeah, that's a pun I meant to make, and not just I was misspeaking and being an idiot. Sure. And sure. Uh, yeah, because, I think what we know about data is that he's witty, like unintentionally witty. Yeah. He kind of wanders into a punchline and, and falls into it. Yeah. Then he does try to make a joke, and everybody's like, that's not funny. But I thought it was really funny when he says, take my wharf, please. Yeah, that was I good. thought that was great. <laughs> wharf is not amused by this. No. We're ready to get underway, sir. He's been made fun of enough. Yeah. What did you think of this episode, Ben? I think that it's almost a good episode, and the... A r- amount of charisma that Okana is bringing to the table is is so like devastating that I almost feel like they like I I bet they wished they could have rewritten and restructured this episode a little bit once they saw like what he came and did on set yeah because yeah. like he should have been on screen for like seventy five percent of the ep and he was on screen for like twenty percent of the ep. Yeah, I don't feel like this statement has been said very often, but this wasn't Joe Piscopo's fault. They just, they overwrote that B story and underwrote the A story. 
uh, it should have been reversed. Yeah. It should have been all about Okana. It should have absolutely been all about Okana. And and uh, I love to picture a a world in which that guy got Jonathan Frakes' part, not to take anything away from Jonathan Frakes, because I think he's a great Riker, but uh, that guy clearly, this actor clearly had an axe to grind when he came uh, on for this feature feature role. Like He's like, look at me, look at what I can do. And he's great. He's so fun to watch. It's never been more clear that uh, a minor character could be Riker's drinking buddy and carousing buddy. Yeah. Like, I'd like to imagine uh, like a, an offshoot bottle episode where it's just Okana, Riker, and that guy on the Lady Planet from season one. Like they go back and visit, <laughs> they go back and visit the planet of strong women. Yeah, and they just spend a week there, just camping and fucking and you know, yeah. doing the whole thing. Well, you know, I read that they're uh, working, this new Star Trek series that they're working on is going to be an anthology series, so each yeah. season will be its own storyline. Maybe uh, maybe, maybe it's not too late to uh, to hope for that. I'd like to withdraw all of my Les Moonves criticism uh, <laughs> in an effort to maybe one day get a writing job on that show. That would be tremendous. So let's just retroactively uh, take out all of those negative comments. If possible. I'm not going to edit it out, but not I hope that, the uh, listeners edit it out in their heads. I hope uh, the Star Trek uh, series doesn't have a laugh track. That'd be, <laughs> well, be maybe one season does, you know. I feel like this, uh, this episode suffered from the Studio 60 problem, which is yeah. like a... A series or an episode talking about comedy without the ability to be truly funny. It fails where the Larry Sanders show succeeds. Yes. Yes. And I think I think the reason that a show like Larry Sanders does succeed is because there's actual true comedic pedigree. Right. Like it, it's the people that are writing the drama about what it is like to be funny know whereof they speak. Right, and it's easier for comics to write about drama than it is for dramatists to write about comedy. Like, mm-hmm. there's that's it just doesn't work that way. I wonder if God, I just wonder if Whoopi could have helped this episode in any way, like like writing wise. Yeah, because she's got to watch this comedy holocaust happen around her <laughs> and be like, "Oh my God! Like, are we really talking about this? Are we really talking about the thing that I do professionally like this?" Yeah, I would really want to know what her feelings are. Like, I would listen to a, a totally a Whoopi Goldberg. Oh yeah, uh, she like went on commentary Mark to. Uh... Well, no, I mean, like, I would listen to a, a Whoopi commentary. Yeah. Oh yeah, that like, would be great. Alongside, just to figure out what was going on behind the scenes of this. Like, I, I don't have the DVDs of this, but I, I hope that's on there. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. I did not like this episode. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't think Okana could save it. Uh, as fun as Okana was, uh, he wasn't enough for me. Mm-hmm. And in fact, I would put this up on the Mount Rushmore of bad episodes. Wow. Bold. I uh, Should we call that the Mount Armis? <laughs> I think I might. Do we know if this producer that has a, has a credit in the pre-roll, uh, whose last name is Armis, has anything to do with why they decided to name that character Armis? I saw that too. Like Burton, Bruce Armis or something? Burton, Burton Armis. Armis. Yeah. Yeah, it, it made me wonder, like... Uh, Do they all like, hate this guy? <laughs> were they sending him a message, or was he sending them a message? Unclear. He is all that is evil. Hmm. Dank and vile. <laughs> 
You got to hit this. This is dank and vile. <laughs> uh, did you find a drunk Shimoda in this episode? Incredible. Drunk Shimoda. Uh, I would I would be curious to hear who your drunk Shimoda is. Uh, First, you, yeah. you want to give me ups on drunk Shimoda? Yeah. Oh, God. I had a really hard time finding one in this episode. Uh, I think... I think it's data for me. Like he's just the tryhard. He's <laughs> he's trying too hard. Uh, well, where 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 Shimoda himself was effectively funny yeah. in in his tryhardness, uh, data was just not. And he was actually sort of a tragic figure in my mind throughout the episode. Uh, you weren't even laughing at him. You yeah. just weren't laughing at all. Yeah, it and was a it was a rough one. Yeah, so um, I, think, I think he'd be mine. I think my drunk Shimoda is the the group therapy scene when they're all the like factions in the uh, in this dispute are in a room discussing everything with each other. A scene Shimoda, I like. This. Yeah, I mean it's like I think there's like six or seven speaking parts in this scene, and it's just really ham-fistedly blocked it's badly paced it's poorly dialogued and like just that whole scene i just felt like i was like wow like for all of the things that are not quite working in this episode this is like this is like something you attempt in a student film and realize that you are not the filmmaking filmmaking equal of the thing you set out to do. It's like that scene in every school play where there's an argument among six people and they yeah. argue argue louder and louder and louder and then the lights go out and then a right. spotlight turns onto a single a single <laughs> character and they're like, "My parents will never get along." Yeah, it was a rough one. I was really distracted by the father of the bride looking so much like Michael Gross from Family Ties. <laughs> I had to look it up. It wasn't him, but God, just a dead ringer. Well, that's all I have to say about that. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> what do we have coming up next time uh, on season two? Season 2, Episode 5 is called Loud as a Whisper. The future of a warring planet depends on a deaf moderator who suddenly loses his ability to communicate. Do you remember this one, Adam? Uh, isn't deafness cured in the future? This comes as a surprise to me. Uh, I think, yeah, I think that this guy is like congenitally deaf, though. He doesn't even have the apparatus to hear. Um, so there's like, something wrong with his genitals? <laughs> wow we are really keeping up the pace of just sickly awful jokes in this episode um tell you whose genitals aren't deaf commander Riker. yeah uh this is a this is an episode that they played in my wife's law school in her alternative dispute resolution uh class oh my god they studied this yep i uh. think this is the only star trek the next generation that my wife has ever seen and it was just like one scene from this episode is she gonna listen to our show about it Probably are they gonna not. play our episode in law school she has not listened to a single episode of this of this podcast <laughs> you know what would really get her in good with her old alumni is uh is sending the recording of our show mm. about this episode back to her school yeah 
That's uh, that's as good as a donation right there. Right. Yeah. You don't need my money. Take my terrible comedy, please. <laughs> uh, well, would you would you invoke a veto on this one? Uh, no, for the same reason that I didn't invoke a veto on uh, on the episode we reviewed just now. Like I, uh, if I can't remember anything at all about it, I'm curious enough to see it. Okay. Well, I will not veto either. So that will be our next episode. Wow. Well. Something to look forward to there. A lot of sign language. Sounds great. Yep. If you ever want to give us any feedback about how terrible we're doing on, <laughs> on this or any other episode, you can find us on Twitter using the hashtag GreatestGen. Uh, I'm also at Cut for Time. Ben is at Benjamin AHR. We should thank Dark Materia for our music, which uh, we really enjoy having uh, play at the beginning and end and all through the middle of our show. I think we can agree it's the only good thing about our show. Mm, Especially this episode, Adam. Especially this episode. Well, I think that's about all we have to say, so uh, we'll be back at you next time with a great episode of The Next Generation and hopefully a better episode of The Greatest Generation. I'm really sorry about this one. Yeah, sorry guys. Sorry. I, I, our listeners probably wish they could have vetoed this uh, <laughs> from their from their queue. A listener can veto any episode. That's true. Nobody's that, holding a phaser to your head. No. No. All right, Adam. And I think at. we've done enough harm here. <laughs> yeah. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.